0: Hey, everyone. Hey, and welcome back to yet another episode of Alf Metallica. This is your host, Tom Quee, here. We are going through every single Metallica song. We are almost at the end now. It's very, very nearly in sight. We're on the S's. We're doing the Small Hours today. This is, of course, the band's Holocaust cover that's from the 598 EP, Gary Jean. They've been playing it live a few times, and we're going to be discussing that. Just before I get to that song and the guest today, please follow us at MetallicaPod on Twitter. Get in touch with me, MetallicaPod at gmail.com if you want to come on the show and discuss a topic. The songs are all filled out now, unfortunately, as we are nearing the terminus of this journey. But uh, yeah, if you want to correspond in any way, if you want to get in touch, that's the best way to do it iTunes is there. Of course, we're on iTunes. Um, you can leave us a review there on all the different streaming platforms, Spotify, Patreon. Also there, if you enjoy the show, you want to give back to the show, you want to help keep the lights on, you can support us there, get access to an RSS fee where you can download episodes like this a week, two weeks or so before they drop. Lots of cool stuff on there at the moment. For example, a chat that I just had uh, yesterday with Nate of Deep Purple Podcast, where we spoke for about an hour on the relationship between Metallica and Deep Purple, and you know. On the top of your head, there's probably not many things that they've got in common It was Lars' his first concert, he ducked in the Hall of Fame, when a blind man cries, etc. But we, you know, we, got a lot of, uh, we got a lot of chat out of that topic, and I really enjoyed that one, so go check that out on the Patreon as well. Today, I'm joined by my guest all the way from LA. Michael, how's it going, sir?
1: It's going so good. Thanks for having me, Tom. Nice to talk to you.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, great, great to have you on as well. Like Before we get into Metallica, you're in a Black Sabbath tribute band, is that right? That's so cool. <laughs> oh,
1: yes that's great yeah i'm in a black Sabbath trivia band we're called uh under the sun and i am the vocalist Nice. and we've been doing that for just a little bit over a year
0: and are you more of an aussie singer more of a dio guy where are your pipes in that range
1: <laughs> my pipes kind of range definitely in the aussie range okay. that's what the uh the guitarist and bass player started the band and they were looking for an aussie type while i am not a uh impersonator by any means i try to embody the spirit of the aussie live (laughs) performance
0: yes and speaking of legendary metal bands metallica like how did that start for you
1: well let me tell you metallica started for me way back in um you know i'm a little bit uh a little bit older than you i believe after listening to your podcast and (laughs) uh i started with um and justice for all was the first time i heard metallica Mm. um one, actually, the beautiful masterpiece. One is the first Metallica song that I oh, ever yeah. heard, and uh, I remember walking to school. I walked to school about a mile, and uh, I never heard any kind of metal. This is—you have to remember, this is back before the internet—and mm-hmm. uh, I, I heard this school off to the side. I heard this noise that sounded like chainsaws and barking, and I had no idea what I was listening to. And I found out later that that was the first time i ever heard Metallica, and that was somebody blaring one on their uh, loudspeaker, probably out of their car. From that day, from that day, my life changed. I mean, this is the first time I'd ever heard any kind of metal whatsoever. So, uh that's the one that changed it for me up till up, up till then i'd kind of been listening to um def leppard hysteria and that okay. was that was hard for yeah. me so
0: <laughs> yeah
1: uh, yeah
0: and going further down the rabbit hole then with metallica like were you, were you picking up the albums prior or were you just trying to get your hands on whatever you could or
1: um well at that time let's see i heard i heard one and then it was it was a feast it was a veritable i couldn't get enough mm-hmm. i i gorged on metallica um a friend of mine you picked up the cd or the tape i can't even remember might have been might have been cd uh, at that time uh he brought it over to my house to listen to he had heard it before i'd never heard the entire cd and uh funny enough i thought i thought it all sounded the same uh meaning like it, it was the first time i'd ever heard anything like this so i thought it was just loud beautiful music but i my ear had not adapted to metal yet so i could not I did not know how I was supposed to be listening to this music. Uh, you know, just Lars and, and James and all that, just an aggressive, in-your-face kind of sound. And then after that, though, I, I, I went to classmates who I saw had written Metallica logo on their peachy folders or whatnot because <laughs> that's kind of how you like an experience of how you see other bands yeah. out there. You see, oh, what's that? what's that little logo you got written on your folder? And the guy had Metallica, and I said, you got any other Metallica? And he, he brought me two tapes. He brought me... Uh, the next day, Master of Puppets cassette and Ride mm. the Lightning cassette. And I took those, and I went home, and uh, my dad had one of those dual uh, tape oh, recorder invaluable. things. And I dubbed it, and I made my own. And uh, I I mean, getting those three albums right away was just like, oh, what is what is this world? <laughs> Beautiful music I'd never heard before. And then um, first time I went out and bought a Metallica album, it was Kill All, mm. which I still have the cassette. I still have that ugly cassette Yeah. <laughs> all and uh, that was that it just all changed my world from there so that's my metallica i was from about 88 89 to 91 before the black album came out i it was just, this is all i all i had all mm-hmm. i had was metallica
0: and yeah. black album and beyond into load and reload etc like still a big band for you is it more those early records
1: uh, no i'll tell you what i um when the black album came out i know it got a lot of slack um i loved it and i still love it and um i think because just because metallica had such an impact on me at that small window of time um anything that they were going to do after that was going to be amazing and granted it was different and slower a little bit not so technically intricate um you know i'm like wait james james can sing you know he's warbling on nothing else matters and whatnot (laughs) and But I loved it. A lot of people didn't like that direction, but for me it was just more more Metallica and it wasn't such a huge leap even though looking back over their catalog it definitely was, but it didn't sound like that to my my young ears cuz I was not a seasoned uh metalhead at that time. So it was just more Metallica. Yay. And then uh and as time went on, I kind of I kind of was let down a little bit by the direction of Load and Reload, although I still went out and bought the albums. Um CDs at that time I I have good memories there's some good songs but at, at, that's kind of when I trailed off and honestly I started listening to uh grunge new metal at that time yeah. and uh, yes I was one of those people that that fell off of metal for a while and went in a different direction but eventually I came back around um Saint Anger I got that as well I still buy them all I still have all their albums I still look forward whatever they put out next I'm gonna get um I'm, I'm pretty much a lifelong fan of the band um though i can definitely say when they do some missteps uh i'm not gonna lie there's some there's some clunkers there's some
0: stinkers (laughs) (laughs) what stands out to you then what's a howler
1: what's what's a really good or a terrible song well yeah a a a howler yeah
0: us brits would say that would be a stinker yeah
1: a stink a howler i'm gonna write that down yeah yeah um a howler a stinker (laughs) well i mean I think Reload is full of them, to be honest. Uh, yeah, Yeah, I'm glad you said I, that. I, I can't even come up with them off the top of my head. I uh, I try listening to that. I heard I heard you did a podcast a couple of weeks ago. And some, you know, you do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I, I find myself getting back into music, the Metallica that I haven't listened to because of your podcast. And uh, I put Reload on, man, and I just – I the songs just go out my ear. I, mm-hmm. I cannot. Yeah, yeah. Nothing sticks. Not, not, I don't want to say nothing, but there's some – there's some real garbage on that. I hate. Yeah, there, is, them, there is. There is. I mean, yeah. People can check out the Sliver episodes. Some episode people love it, did. though. Yeah, they
0: do. They yeah. do. I don't. I, it, it baffles me. It really does. But you know, yeah. everyone has different. But you know
1: what? Yeah, good for them. Good for them yeah. that they have some music that they like. <laughs> <laughs> I can't figure
0: it out. Yeah. Yeah. So the song we're tackling today, "The Small Hours," is on the mm-hmm. originally on the five ninety eight EP. Did you have that around this time? Do you remember listening to that EP? you know, when you were younger?
1: I did. Um yeah, I did. I uh again I got a, a cassette tape and copied it and I actually have still have the copy right in front of me just for uh, old time's sake. Nice. So I have my Maxwell crappy little 90 minute tape where half of it is Metallica Garage Days Revisited and the other half uh is Guns and Roses actually. Ooh. Um so yeah, I uh I have that. I got that taped and my mind's a little foggy. I can't remember exactly what order I got the first like four albums and and where this fit, but it was definitely before the black album, like I said, I, I became an instant collector, so it was it was in there where I where I got this EP.
0: So yeah, for people not aware this was on the 598 to begin with, this is the second track. This is I mean, you know Metallica always cover these gloriously obscure bands that no one's ever heard of. Holocaust right. Are you familiar yeah. at all with this Scott I didn't even know they were Scottish until this morning
1: yeah yeah i did i did not know anything about them really until no. i started researching this for this uh for this podcast yeah so um yeah they uh they're they're very obscure i i listened really to obscure. one of their albums actually and it's it's pretty good it's kind of a stoner sludgy vibe the yes. guy to me the vocalist to me sounds like gene simmons uh it's interesting stuff i, I yeah i can hear that and I mean, we'll get into mm-hmm. the track
0: itself as a whole, but have you listened to the original? Sure. Have you listened to the original Holocaust Small Hours, their version? Uh,
1: you know, I, I've looked for it, yeah. and I can't seem to find it. I found a revision or re-recording in the '90s, which is the one that I'm listening to, and I did see live recordings of the of Holocaust early on. So that's my best gauge of what it kind of sounded like.
0: Yeah, it's interesting there's a re-recording there, because the original that I listened to, the guitar sounds ginormous. It sounds like it's just been recorded incorrectly, but in a good way. It's not mic'd up very well, and it just swamps over all of the other instruments. And, you know, yeah. I mean, let's get into this song then. So this is on Gary Jing, sure. you know, and we open with... You know, what sounds a bit like a sort of, I don't know, electric meter, a TV running. Uh, there's some low form ambient <laughs> static and kind of discordant yeah. noise. And then that real new, 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 that two note figure.
1: Like, it's, yeah. quite, it's
0: quite an uneasy listen. It's very atmospheric, that intro.
1: Yeah, it's very, it's very simple. Um, it, it's stripped back. You, if you never heard it before, you don't know what you're going to get, especially with Metallica, because it's not, really like anything they had put out at the time so far granted it was um a cover but yeah it just kind of takes sucks you in and you know where are you gonna go what's happening where are we going with this
0: yeah yeah and it it takes its time i mean this is a, a long song this is like you know six minutes or so and it feels like the song's gonna begin the guitar's coming in and then it pulls back and then it becomes, yeah. you know, quite authoritative, quite doomy, as you say. There's a there's a plodding nature to the song as a whole, but I don't really mean that in a negative way, you know. There's a, there's a marching pace.
1: Right. It's definitely thumping. It's definitely mm-hmm. one of those songs that you could hear live and you just sort of stand still, but your head is nodding. Everyone's nodding in time. It's got that real, like you said, thumping and plodding to it, and it just kind mm-hmm. of sucks you in and... And it's in its simplicity, it draws you in, as opposed yeah. to a, a technical masterpiece. You know?
0: Yeah, yeah. It, it's like a incantation. It's quite hypnotic as you listen to it, and it does. Right. Have, it, you know, it's kind of built around two real riffs, and the main riff that pushes the verse forward is huge.
1: Like, what mm-hmm. do you
0: what do you make of that piece of music?
1: Of uh, the main. Yeah, verse, the, the, uh, ma- that the goes main the main sort of riff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, hearing Headfield sing that is uh it's it's gorgeous I mean the guy roars the guy never holds anything back so just he he really drives it again it's a simple and once we get into the song it's him and Lars's beat really that drives it I mean Lars sounds fantastic on this recording and um it's different than what I had heard before and uh but I love it it sounds great James's vocals really drive it. Again, it's simple, it's not too it's not terribly exciting. Um, no. but it goes on a little journey and you're like, Okay, all right, take me there guys. we what what's going on next?
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. And it is full of surprises. It's a sort of dark gothic adventure. That begins yes. <laughs> almost post punky, you know, with, with that new new you don't quite know what's going on. Then it gets into that main riff. And the kind of chorus is really funky because James is essentially singing boom. And you mentioned like sort of stoner kind of that idea. Almost Sabbathy Aussie kind of era, you know. I can hear a bit of that there.
1: Oh, very very much so. And this is uh kind of a stoner vibe again i don't know much about holocaust or i really don't know how holocaust tied in with metallica no. at the time as far as you know was lars how much was he listening to at the time i'll, I'll assume it was lars that brought it mu lars must uh, have got the cassette
0: from someone and i mean they're they're it, in that new wave of british heavy metal thing but like holocaust are really like you know barely known even amongst tigers of pang tang or tank or those sort of bands you know
1: yeah, yeah, no idea. I, I feel in retrospect they're one of those bands because they only have, like, the original member and, like, a laundry list of past members. Yeah. Maybe they just couldn't get their act together enough to, like, build a real following. I don't know. I so. You can only speculate. Yeah,
0: yeah. Um, The main guy, John Mortimer, who wrote the song, who sings, who plays yeah. guitar. It, it's, it's it's kind of all, all around that. And, the, you know, the song is, for the most part, quite trudging, you know, slow,
1: Heavy, that sort of idea. Yeah, and then two thirds. Yeah, there the... really is no. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Just well, saying... I was going to say there really, yeah. it, there really is no verse to it in a sense. Like the verse is almost the pre-chorus. I mean, sorry, there's no yeah, chorus to saying? it. Like the the chorus is a pre-chorus. Like when I try to get through it, like mm-hmm. there's no real. That's I mean that's the chorus, and then you just go back into the dun 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 na na. Yeah. Nah, you know, not a not a structurally well no, thought no, no. out song. Sounds like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: And I mean yeah It's kind of jammy To a certain extent I mean It's funny you mentioned There's no chorus Because yeah The term the small hours Is never said And you figured That would kind of Be enshrined in some sort of chorus there But the band Have a lot of fun on it And it's very different To a lot of the music I guess if I was to compare it To any Metallica song before Maybe the thing That should not be just in that kind of, sure. you know, lumbering, slouching to Bethlehem kind of idea. But it's not all slow. About two thirds in, it really kicks up quite a few gears. And we get a lot oh, more yeah. chugging. We get the kind of classic riff breaking out. We get the solo. And then it, and then it reverts back again. Right. Like, what, what do you make of this section, that eruption, kind of four minutes in?
1: Well, I love the thundering uh, drums that Lars is doing before he starts hitting the cymbals. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's either. Double bass, or he's just hitting that rapid low tom, you know, like something's coming. Like this song is definitely changing, um you know. And somebody in the recording, and I, I can't figure out who it is. Maybe it's maybe it's Jason at that time. Someone shouts like almost a count-in, but he sounds like he's saying, "Hey, motherfucker!" Yes. You know, I don't know if yep, yep, the podcast, yep, yep. but <laughs> I I, I listened to it so many times, I am not sure what that person is saying. Mm-hmm. Um, but it you know, it's fun. It's a it's a live atmosphere, and again, I had never heard uh, Metallica do this at this time. There was nothing live. It was all studio, but this sounds like four guys all playing together and just having a good time. So yeah. when this song kicks in, I- I'm all aboard. Like, let's go with this this part. Um, the solos, the uh, Kirk's solo is – you know, comparing it to the original, I, I, it's not the same solo. He just kind of mm-hmm. goes off and does something – off key it sounds like and mm-hmm. uses a to build us in and yep, yep yep i dig it i dig i yeah. dig it, and it really fits the song it really fits the song
0: it does it does it works for the song which is what Kurt mm-hmm. doesn't really do a lot especially in the later era of metallica <laughs> he just sort of wanks around and does whatever he wants his little blues box but but yeah i think it, it plays yeah. into that <laughs> energy and, you know, a lot of the images and just the sense of the song. But I really like lyrically dark rivers are flowing back into the past uh, and that sort of idea. Yes. Like, what, what, what do you read the song as meaning altogether?
1: Um, I, I thought, well, first of all, just taking the song in to me, it just sounds like an evil um, uh, a warning, if you will. Mm-hmm. Like impending doom is right. You are right on the cusp of going into somewhere evil. So you better watch out. Yeah. That kind of feeling, and it's it's simple lyrics, but I love it, and the, the simplicity of the lyrics fits the simplicity of the groove in the song, so I think those really um, work well together. When I say simplicity of the lyrics, I mean um, monosyllabic words, nothing too heavy, yeah. they didn't look these words up in a dictionary, you know, that... But I like it, and upon further uh, further review, um, somebody said online that the uh, vocalist again he wrote the song to be about an incantation and a, a seance,
0: right. if you will. Yeah.
1: So everything kind of has uh, revolves around different things. There's ghosts around the corner? Um, you know, I'm trying to get through to you. I'm about to break through the barrier. You know, watch out for the powers um dark rivers i'm the chill in the air they said that ghosts would um make the room cold right when they're about to show themselves to people so um i I mean you know i can't argue that it all makes sense to me if that's what the song's about um it's it's wonderful and again that makes it fits in again with the opening of the song the eeriness of it just the part with the Drums without the cymbals. it's kind of a low end with the high notes. It all really works well together for me as a song.
0: Yeah, yeah, and uh, I mean the title as well, the Small Hours, which I guess you know means kind of the darkest before dawn sort of thing. So that that plays into it. And you know, funnily enough, when you search Small Hours on Spotify, obviously Metallica come up, but uh, Frank Sinatra, the Wee Small Hours came up as well, which um, a lot of a lot <laughs> is of it, people is
1: it, is it this? No, it's not. Actually, <laughs> I, I, I can imagine. I can
0: imagine him crooning on this, and I'll try. Absolutely, through, like. And I try to get through <laughs> to you.
1: Yeah. Hey, I think old know, blue eyes.
0: Yeah, yeah, could definitely do it. But um, but yeah. yeah, it is um, it's a cool tune actually, and it's kind of you know, so many of these flashy Metallica new wave covers are just kind of breakneck. You know, just a bit mm-hmm. faultless, but this one's got a bit more of a pacing about it, a bit more of a, a bit more of a vibe, a bit more of a reek to it, and, and yeah. I do, I do really dig that. And as we always yeah. do, as we always do, guys, we reach out to you and see what you thought of this Metallica song. Not too many responses this time, because I appreciate most people probably aren't too au fait with it. Uh, Ralph saying at Metallica pod of The Small Hours. I've got to say, I love this cover of a Holocaust tune. I dig the slow, dirge-like build-up to the middle, the galloping section replete of an excellent Kirk solo, back into a sludgy ending. The lyrics are cool. A bit vague, though. It seems to be a longing to gain someone's attention. Satan, he asks in brackets. And mm. I, I'd, I'd say Ralph's on the money there. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah, saying on
0: Satan, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we two more uh, Metallicast, which is another great Metallica podcast. Go check those guys out. Go, go check those guys out. Saying one of their most underrated covers and Savath bloody podcast. Rye as always saying, always love this one. My favorite from the underrated disc two of Garage Inc. Absolutely sinister guitar swells and scrapes in the intro make for a lovely evil atmosphere and an epic build to a crushing main riff. Now, um, they've played this song, Michael, a few times, which surprised me, to be honest with you. I thought this was one of the ones they never dusted out. But it's seven times. It was debuted August mm-hmm. 20th, 1987, London, England, which I think was a pre-Monsters uh, of Rock show at the 100 Club. And they last played it in Leipzig, Germany, 2009, May 7th. So it's quite cool that they've, you know, brought it out into the open. Yeah,
1: occasionally. Yeah, Hardly very occasionally. But yeah, yeah, it's yeah, nice.
0: Like w- once every five years or something. And I don't think they'll ever do it again. And to be honest with you, I haven't no, watched no. any videos of them doing it live. But, you know, I can imagine Petfield really inhabiting that character, you know, as he sings it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll tell you what. I was watching – I've seen, as far as I know, I saw all the videos uh, that Metallica's performance live. Okay. I watched them, and they did a, like a five-mini-tour garage – Inc tour, yeah, Drop yeah, means yeah. the same. Where they did they did this performance in '98. Um, I think that what it was. And then once once in uh, the World Magnetic tour, and um, yeah. Oh, the first one was in '87, like you said. And yeah. uh, it seems to me, I was doing the math here because I'm kind of a nerd. It was like '87 and then '98 and then '09. So it seems like every eleven years yeah. they bring out the small hours. So <laughs> in 2020. I think we're due for another I I think you're right I think you're right what do you think did I crack the code (laughs) yeah yeah yeah
0: it's there it's there and um, it's there yeah guys holocaust let let me know metallicaportage.com is there anything I need to listen to by this band? You know, I know there. we are eventually going to do our episode on Lars' big new wave of British heavy metal compilation. I don't know if Holocaust actually figure on that. But I am always interested in these bands that Lars and James and, and Cliff and Kirk so idolize and, you know, immortalized on this disc. Any um any closing thoughts on Small Hours, Michael?
1: Um Yeah, you know, one thing I want to say is that after watching the live videos, I think if people are not terribly familiar with this or maybe if they listen to it um, on the album, it doesn't really grab them or whatnot i would say go uh to find their performance in uh, 87 in london it's uh right when jason is is joined the band and i think that in 87 is the is the penultimate performance of this song uh from them i think it sounds better than the album they sound just like these hungry angry guys james's voice has uh matured He's just roaring. Lars's beat is his backbeat is sick. I don't remember him. I mean, I've always been a fan of Lars, but he, it, it's just it's a crazy environment. If you really want to get into the song, check out that '87 uh, performance in London. It's the it's the best. I think it really, I can't say it's aged well for the band. Sure. I don't think, I don't think them as fifty year olds. I don't think it plays well as it does for them being mid twenties. It's a heavy groove, and I think they've used this template of the song to kind of throw into their own things that they've written. And I don't think the song, The Small Hours, really honestly holds up today for the band and Mm -hmm. so i would say go back in time and you'll hear the best of this performance
0: yeah there's um there's a live version of it as well recorded in 98 that was in new york that was the b-side to the whiskey in the jar single
1: so they have Mm -hmm. kind of
0: used it in releases going forward and yeah you know i can understand this song might not be to everyone's taste it can perhaps get a little bit monotonous Um, in terms of repetition it does have that real you know fire starter moment towards the latter minutes but um but yeah i have enjoyed listening to this over the past week or so and i do think this is a pretty decent tune and it's just kind of a different phase element face of metal that metallica are dipping their toe into and that is of course always welcome so we will close with a few quick fire questions as we always do um your favorite metallica song
1: my favorite Metallica song is not an obscure one. It is a well-loved tune. It is Master of Puppets. Yeah. That is my favorite Metallica song. <laughs>
0: I, yeah, mean, I mean, I have yeah.
1: so many songs that rank like way up there and I just I just can't say any songs better than that from what I want from my Metallica. It's just it's epic. It's ebbs and flows, the the lyrical themes, it's it's a perfect Metallica song, amongst other ones, but yeah. that's the one that always is the cherry on top. Yeah, I, I would say it's a definitive Metallica
0: song, easily. It kinda For has, sure. It has everything that they do, like the reasons we love this band. Yeah. Like yeah, I just Yeah, uh, I
1: wish I could give you an obscure fun answer like uh like Ronnie or something. Yeah no, no it's Master, <laughs> Master Puppets. of Puppets is
0: way better than right I mean, yeah, maybe if it's small hours or something like that, I'd be impressed. But uh but no Master. Right. Uh,
1: no I'm afraid not. I'm afraid <laughs> small hours is not my favorite. <laughs> what about uh, what about album by the band? Your favorite album again uh again gotta go back to Master of Puppets. Mm-hmm. Um it's my favorite. I think nine times out of ten if I had to rank it comes in first with "Ride the Lightning," a very close second, but the two of them neck and neck. Master of Puppets always wins out. Um, again, it's just what I like. It's it's the epitome, in my perspective, of where their thrash and their elements of prog really came together, and it makes it makes it makes the perfect Metallica album for me. So, uh, yeah, and Disposable mm-hmm. Heroes is my is the perfect thrash song if you if you must yeah know, on that yeah, album yeah yeah. yeah. I agree. I agree. What What about favorite member of the band? Uh, favorite member is James for sure. You know, it's it's neck and neck with Lars and James, but I got to give it to James. Um, I don't think, you know, I think Metallica would still exist without Lars. However, Metallica might be like some country bar band.
0: Met- Metallica would <laughs> know, still be, be like, James. Yeah, they'd probably be like Holocaust yeah.
1: levels without Lars. I think. Yeah. Yeah, there's there's no there's no denying that I think in my opinion Lars has definitely the, the, been the driving force for the last several decades. Um, but there, without James, there there is no Metallica. I mean, he's the riff, he's the voice. Mm-hmm. You don't want to hear anything else in that department by anyone else except for James Hetfield, and he's he's my favorite. And seeing them
0: live, have you seen them
1: live at all? I have, I have. It's been a quite a bit of time since I've seen them live. I saw them, I've seen them about six times. And all that was in between um, 92 to 96 back then. Um, first time I ever saw them was Metallica, Guns N' Roses, Motorhead at the Rose Bowl in Los Angeles. Shit. Blew my friggin' mind. Was that with, Blew uh, my friggin was mind. That with Dice Clay? Was Dice Clay there? Just, um, you know what? I, if he was, I missed him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, he, might, he was at one of those shows. I think he yeah. Was. yeah, yeah, yeah um definitely not the one i was at or i was late
0: that so. that's my ultimate <laughs> it, tour like if i could go back in time that would be the ultimate tour i would see the GNR metallica 92 shows
1: oh it it, it was fantastic because yes. at that time i'd never heard i'd never seen those bands live before and they were the biggest bands in the yep. world and seeing them together was just are you kidding me and so yeah still holds up as one of my top concerts but uh, i've seen them several times since then um you know through the Load and Reload era, I was still fans. They still put on a live great show. There's no denying that, so I'll, I'll still catch them. Why I haven't seen them in the last couple decades, I have no idea, but I think I'm going to definitely check them out next time they come around.
0: Okay. Um, and final question, if you do a podcast like this about a band that you love,
1: what would you cover? Ooh, that's a good question. I hadn't thought about that. I will say, well, my number one favorite band is Rush. But I know mm. there's a really there's – a, there's a good Rush podcast There's lots of Rush there. podcasts out um, there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm not going not gonna to jump on there. Um, Oingo Boingo, there's one. Oingo Boingo is the first band that I ever claimed is like my band. Like, ooh, I've discovered music. It's Oingo Boingo. Oingo Boingo. So maybe that might be fun. I don't think that exists out there. Get into Danny Elfman's catalog, it could, could go for oh, a while. You know? So,
0: so that, what, the composer Danny Elfman, that was his band?
1: Oh yeah! Oh well, yes. Um, his band started. Well, he was just a minor character in the band. He right. was he, him and his brother. I think can't forget. It was kind of like an obscure. Almost everyone played drums and flutes and wore demon makeup on their face. Kind of an art band. And then Elfman took charge, and Oingo Boingo was his baby. And then. He became the Danny Elfman that we know. And and today. then he
0: wrote The Simpsons, <laughs> yeah. Jesus, that's, that's yes, crazy. Yes,
1: yes, and, and countless. Oh, numbers. yeah, everything.
0: I mean, Rugrats so. and, yeah, all of that, yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. I've ne- never heard of them. We'll definitely listen to them. Oingo Boingo, interesting.
1: For sure. It's very ska, very 80s. Just be ready for some 80s weird stuff. Okay. It, it's It's fantastic, though. <laughs>
0: There's loads of members as well. I'm just looking. There's, like, seven members, eight members at one time?
1: Very skull Yeah, there's about, I think, two like two core members, Danny and uh, guitarist Steve Bartek. And then they kind of – other long-standing members and then a few ones that float in and out, like horn players and keyboards and such. But it's, it's Elfman and Bartek's baby, and the two of them still write together to this day. So they're the core of that sound. And, uh,
0: any album you'd recommend?
1: I would go Only a Lad. That's one, one of their early ones. Okay, cool. That's, you know, it's a little – I would say it's kind of on the edge of – accessible it's a little weird but i would start with only a lad and if you can if you can stomach that and you find something in there you'll be just fine they only have about six albums yeah they only have about six albums or so so um you can get through that in a weekend <laughs> yeah
0: i uh i have a big spotify playlist whenever anyone mentions a band on the show that i've never heard of an album i always pop it in there and i've had some great discoveries so only a lad i'll be listening to that tonight so
1: thank you for that yeah yeah they're not much for album structure as sure. it were it, there's some real like, Ooh, shouldn't have, shouldn't have put that one out, but <laughs> a lot of noise. You can kind of hear him building to be the composer that he's was always meant to be, but there's some great jams. Check it and, out. For and, sure.
0: Um, finally, you know, anything you'd like to promo the Sabbath band, anything else? Like where can people find this stuff?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, yeah. The Sabbath band, you can find me, uh, us on the social medias at, uh, Sabbath under the sun. Mm-hmm. We're under the sun. So we just go Sabbath under the sun, Facebook and, uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We're most uh, active on Instagram and Facebook. Um, And then me, uh, you can find me at Hamptainment. My last name is Hampton, and I just cleverly went Hamptainment. (laughs) So, um, yeah, that's what I got going on in the band, and I play a lot of my own music, and so hopefully I'll be putting some stuff out real soon and uh it'd be great if everyone could check that out
0: yeah send me the links we'll put that all down below and you guys can go follow and you know as always we appreciate you listening go check out some more holocaust go check out some more 598 ep we'll be back next week with episodes on so what and some kind of monster then we got spit out the bone and saint anger it's got a really cool (laughs) (laughs) report date coming up on the show Uh, Follow us at MetallicaPod MetallicaPod.com if you want to come on the show iTunes is there, Patreon as well If you want to support Michael, this has been a real treat,
1: thanks for coming on Yeah, you too Tom, thank you and I wish you all the best This has been a really wonderful podcast to listen to As a fan, I appreciate you having me on